I'm Michael Malley, and this is The Mindful Storyteller, where the subject always is stories. Storytelling, story reading, story listening, mindfulness, and the creation of the story space. Welcome once again to The Mindful Storyteller, and I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Ren Erickson Malley. And today we have a reading from Ruth Sawyer. We'll be talking about story as living substance and when a story wants to be told. Uh, we'll begin with Ollie sharing a quote from Ruth Sawyer's The Way of the Storyteller. I'll then share a short reading. We'll have a little chat between myself and Ollie, and then Ollie will have a closing reflection with further questions. And, as usual, we have the Tibetan singing bowl, the mindfulness bell. And each time you hear this is an invitation to return to the breath, to return to the moment, to return to the sound of the bell. Here it is. I think an instinct for selection goes with the art of storytelling. There is this very personal relationship that exists between all storytellers and the stories they tell. I am firmly convinced that certain storytellers are allergic to specific stories. Herein lies a part of the storyteller's integrity. To be honestly aware of this and say, this story is not mine. This intimate relationship between story and teller must be reckoned with. Ruth Sawyer, The Way of the Storyteller, page 151 and 152. It is as if we are strangely compelled to tell some stories while other tales strongly repel us, and we pay dearly if we tell the ones we should not. There are curious metaphysics at work here. I recall an evening in Flagstaff, Arizona, telling a sacred story in order to impress. Afterwards, there was a sickly feeling deep in the gut a sense of the wrongness of the motive, a dishonoring of the tale. Another time, in performance as a professional storyteller, stories were told to nurses and hospital workers, but the storytelling missed the mark widely. Stories with humor that had, at other times, in other contexts, been connective tissue, lightly weaving teller and listeners together in a bath of laughter, 
here fell flat. The nurses and hospital workers, at least on that particular day, needed something else, something more. Perhaps stories of redemptive hope or gentleness, but such tales were not brought forth. And the teller experienced the consequences of failing to tell the tale that wanted to be told. Some of the most potent stories in my repertoire are those that were initially dismissed, yet they kept floating back, asking to be heard again and again, until they became part of my litany of stories. There is a strange magical interplay of time and place and teller and tale, and of course listener. Inherent in this is an invitation to see each story as living matter, as a being with a will of its own. If tales communicate, and of course they do, why not imagine that each tale speaks to the teller, telling her if she should be told, if you are the one to tell her, and also if this is the right time for her to be told. Yes, this all asks for a bit of imagination in the storyteller, but are we not in the imagination business? Who among us has not had the experience of telling a story and later wincing with the thought, ugh, why did I tell that story tonight? While you may be less likely to review and reflect upon it, you can also probably point to times when you told the perfect story for the moment, the story that needed to be told. Maybe a friend even said to you, wow, that was just the story I needed to hear. I know you've I've reflected on this a lot personally, maybe even some on this um, podcast before. Mm. I mean, the thing that comes to me is the Buddhist saying, and you would know the Buddhist who said it, um, that we use our mouths too much. You know, we're, we use our mouth, we, we eat, <laughs> and we're uh, talking so much that we need to use our mouths less. Mm -hmm. Who said that? Um. Chogyam Trungpa, Tibetan Buddhist, said that um, in his book uh, Shambhala, mm -hmm. The Way of the Sacred Warrior, where he said, um, when you speak, you don't have to say everything that is on your mind. Mm -hmm. Say what you have to say gently, and then you can stop and let someone else speak or appreciate the silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And you and I both like to speak, and so <laughs> so that's a Yikes. that's a hard one. It's a hard one when we're in groups of people, and I know I reflect on it a lot. Like, did I overshare? I have, you know, I'm 50 now, just about. I have a lot of experiences and a lot of stories I could tell, but some, but a lot of times, many times, I need to be listening, too. You know, and so really being aware of that. And putting that into your consciousness is really important. Yeah, one of the things that pops into my mind in terms of conversations with people is sometimes someone will share a story and it will trigger another story in my, in my mind. Mm -hmm. And there is the risk that 
you know, my story. Oh, here, let me not just um, add to, but kind of overshadow your story with my story. Let me, it becomes a blanket over it. Um, you know, I'm a storyteller. I can share it in a compelling way. And like you said, we have a lot of life experience that you can draw upon. And, oh yeah, I might have a story that kind of fits, that further kind of enunciates the point that you just made. Mm -hmm. Or maybe even one that contradicts the point that you made. Mm -hmm. But do I really need to tell it? Mm -hmm. Is it really, and, and I, I like this idea of um, um, thinking of the story as living substance, mm -hmm. right? We, we were at a, um, um, we were at a conference with the soil scientist, Dr. Ratan Lal, um, last weekend, and he spoke of soil as being alive. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking here in terms of now, you know, you know, sorry, soil is, you know, there's life life abundant in the soil but there is you know we're speaking more metaphorically or symbolically but there is life abundant in a story too mm -hmm. and 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 to to kind of honor the story like it, it doesn't need to always be told it doesn't need to always come out it's it, it maybe it never comes out you know it has its place and 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 to sort of Think of myself, that's why I really appreciate Ruth Sawyer's reading there, to think of myself as living in relationship with these stories. That, um, oh, I've told that story too frequently lately. That could be in just conversations, but that could also be in my role as a performing artist. Like, ah, I need to set that one aside for a while. And, and, and to kind of understand, or at least um, recognize that as relationship. I guess that's, that's, that's part of the work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I know you have like some sacred stories, like personal stories that mm -hmm. you are really um, you only set, tell in very specific times. Mm -hmm. And this is since I've met you twenty five years ago. You right. told me some sacred stories, and you say you know you keep those um, to yourself, except at very specific times. You're pretty deliberate. I. I attempt to be, right? And mm -hmm. that, that Flagstaff um, um, example that I mentioned in the reading was a, was a great lesson for me. Um, unfortunately, not one trial learning. I mean, I can think of other times when um, I told a story that it wasn't the right time or place to tell. Mm -hmm. it, oftentimes, a sacred, what I consider a sacred story and um, yeah, I, I, I try to be careful with that. I, I try to uh, um, tr try to understand when to share, mm -hmm. what, when to share a story and when not to. And you know, and you know, I was thinking about this as I was looking this over. Ollie, that you know, there are gosh, we've been together for twenty five years. There are some stories that I haven't shared with you. Maybe they're sacred stories, maybe they're embarrassing stories, whatever, but um, that, you know, here I am, I'll be 57, a couple of days. I might share with, I might share one or two of those with you this year. I might not share it till I'm 65 or 70 or maybe never. You know, that, that there's an honoring of the story. There's an honoring of, um, and not just honoring, just kind of respect 
I think maybe it's respect for experience, respect for story too. I, I, I don't, I don't claim to understand all that. I don't, I don't know that we need to, but, um, but I think it involves mindfulness too, right? I mean, um, just being aware and being awake to what we're sharing and not sharing. Mm-hmm. And I think you can feel. Well, you certainly feel after <laughs> when you've shared something you shouldn't have shared. Uh, not always, because I know sometimes I think I've shared something and then someone will come back at me later. Sure. And I realize that that was not the right time to share that. But usually you have a feeling in your gut. And I think the trick is to be able to do that before you share, <laughs> as you're anticipating. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, I mean, since mine's all conversational, yours is telling stories on stage. It's different, right? I mean, it, it's different, but it's not. You know, I mean, I, I I felt it. You know, in a conversation at a party, I felt it sharing tales from the stage. Where uh, did I really need to say that, or did I really need to tell that one? You know, what what's um, you know on the stage? I'm the performer. I'm the one sharing. So there is a, a big difference, right? But even within that context, what I tell or what I try to tell um, and, and, and bringing mindfulness to that. And then there's sometimes conversation. There can be question and answer times and we sometimes get other people's stories in the mix. But, um, but you are largely in performance, I'm the one sharing the stories, but still there's a call for that mindfulness, I think. Um, I really appreciate when you're saying how I mean, you and I have said this how many times, you know, you come back from a gathering with friends. It's like, oh, geez, why did I say that or, or whatever? And, and you could feel it then. And maybe you didn't feel it while you were sharing it. Mm-hmm. And you said the trick is, but maybe the trick is mindfulness. Maybe the trick is to bring enough awareness to the moment. Um, Stephen Covey, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he spoke of um, there's a stimulus and then a response, but there's always a space between that stimulus and response. And in that space, he called it integrity in the moment of choice. And in that space is choice. I, you know, sometimes it's, it's when you're arguing with somebody. I mean, actually, that even happened to me uh, this morning. I was in a conversation with someone, and they said something um, to which I have stories. I have arguments, in the, often in the form of stories, that I want to, you know, put forth to refute or to argue a different position. And it just occurred to me, like, I don't need to put that story out there right now. Mm-hmm. I hold that story, and it has a place. It has a place in my mind, it has a place in my thinking, it has a place in my sharing, but I don't need to share it right now. I mean, the same thing happened over the weekend. It's actually in a religious dialogue with someone, and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm just, here's a person who's you know steeped in their understanding of God and religion, and I'm steeped in mine, and I'm trying to sway. I don't need to try and sway this person. I don't need a story to convince them of anything. Um, They are where they are. And I have my stories that place me where I am. And I can listen to their stories and add that into the mix too. So, you know, that's that's part of the... it's ongoing work, and I think it all calls for a lot of mindfulness. <laughs> and, 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 you know, do, do I bring the mindfulness to the moment, right? Right, right. And, yeah, 
just like, you know, meditation is not for the meditation hall. Meditation is so you have mindfulness in every moment. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that's what it's for. <laughs> it's, uh, um, so you have greater awareness. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I like, you talked about, the other thing you talked about here is um, your audience and really thinking about who your audience is before you share. Uh-huh. So, you know, yeah, it just really depends. I think, like, you know, sometimes I'm with someone older, and um, part of me being with older people is trying to learn from them and hear their stories. I share some of my stories, but I become more mindful of um, that I really want to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. And um, I might be with somebody younger in their 20s or something, and there's some story that I think will fit more because I'm trying, I'm the elder at that point mm-hmm. and I'm feeling, mm-hmm. feeling that. So I think, yeah, part of it is also being really mindful of who your audience is and who you're talking to in terms of what you want to share and, and in the response you're getting from people too. I mean, you can tell right. <laughs> when you start telling something and you get this response from someone and you're kind of in the middle of the story. Well, what do you do then? Okay. They like if, you know if they're getting the response that you can tell they're done. Mm-hmm. They're done, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. just like yeah how do how can I end this quickly and um. right and, and 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 again and there's an honoring of the story like maybe you need to bring it to some completion but maybe mm-hmm. not with the detail that you were initially had right. Uh-huh. I think as a general guideline, I mean, I, you know, I'm a storyteller. I I am constantly looking to the wisdom of the elders, but. We also, and, and, and you do this all the time, we also want to open to the stories of the youth, the stories of, you know, the younger adults, the stories of the teens, right. the children, uh-huh. creating the spaces for them to share. Because so often they don't get that space, right? Mm-hmm. And you see that appreciation when you really give that intentional listening as they share. And, um, and similarly, um, Oftentimes, we're in the company of elders who really want to hear our stories and, and that want to hear our perspective. So I think there is some sort of, I think in general, I'm going to be, you know, listening more to the elders. Probably that's my, you know, what I'm going to do. But, but, but at the same time, there's, there's that back and forth with everyone. And, and as you said, part of that is, again, being mindful Mindful is being awake, being aware. Right. Notice, you know, notice the facial expression of the person you're talking to. Notice their body language. You know, I think one of the things that I find is that when I, you know, in conversations with younger people, they often are leaning in more, mm-hmm. have more hunger for right. whatever I'm sharing. And, and, and so, yeah, so, so there is that openness and that receptivity to it. And so, so I think that that's part of it is, is paying attention to that body language. And at the same time, there are some people, and we've talked about this with some elders we know, who are so receptive and always right. wanting to listen, always wanting, but they have such richness within them mm-hmm. that is so seldom shared and is undervalued. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really, I, I felt that so many times that I'll leave a conversation with someone and I will not have gotten 
much from them. I feel like I'm just the one giving because they're just so kind and open and asking me more questions. And it's so easy for me just to keep answering those questions. And, and um, yeah, just really be aware of <laughs> in those moments that, um, that we're learning from everybody. Mm -hmm. and and really so how can i gauge them um that's for sure I'm, I'm i'm thinking too of quieter people perhaps more introverted people that oftentimes when they do share it it will have such a profundity it, right. it will have su there'll be such wisdom so part of it is and we've talked about this in some of the other um episodes of uh, the mindful storyteller and i'm sure we'll talk about it more in the future creating those spaces mm -hmm. where maybe there's um, more of a formal setting like a Dharma discussion group or uh, with our community group where you create this space where everybody has an opportunity to share mm -hmm. and where there may be a silence in between and people have a few moments to compose their thoughts. Very different than what you might get with a group of outgoing people and everybody's jumping in with their perspective and story and you know this person's there and you know they seem to be enjoying it but we don't hear from them right how do we create the spaces to hear from them to hear their stories their wisdom uh, their perspectives their tales um, uh, their tales that again story is living matter their stories that really want to want to come out and be told um, yeah well, what one other word I want to say in terms of the um, for those who might be out there listening who do tell tales from the stage or, you know, and I have this repertoire of folk tales and family stories and literary stories and, you know, you can hear some of them on Michael the Storyteller Tells Tales, our other podcast. Well, I think I may have gotten this from Elizabeth Ellis, a wonderful storyteller, um, where it was her, or it might have been someone else, who was up on a stage in Jonesboro, starting to tell a story and said, oh, hmm. mm -hmm. that's not the story I'm supposed to tell you right now. Right, yeah, I think I was there. I feel another story tap me on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. I feel another story tap me on the shoulder. And that has happened to me as the performing artist, as the professional storyteller, a number of times. Sometimes I've been three sentences into a story and stopped and said mm, that same thing. I can feel it. This is not what I'm supposed to be telling you all right now. This is what I thought I was going to tell you. Mm -hmm. But here's something else popping up. And to... I don't understand how all that works at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but to be open to that. To be open to what stories want to come forth. And I, I think there's something like that that happens in our conversations or in our you know, our friendship and family circles and around the dinner table. But that is certainly something that I want to encourage anyone who wants to tell stories from the stage. As your repertoire increases, as you have more tales at your disposal, to be open to which story wants to be told and which story doesn't want to be told. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very good.
see stories as living beings. They know if they should be told, when they should be told, and who should be the ones telling them. Stories communicate. Slow down and mindfully listen. If you tell stories in performance, open your subtle senses to know what tales to learn to tell and when to tell them. And all of us in everyday conversations can allow for pauses, creating enough space to ask, why is this tale coming to mind? Should I share it? Why or why not? Does this tale really want to be told right now? Mindfully listen to what the story is telling you before you decide if you should open your mouth and speak it. I'm Michael Malley, and you've been listening to the Mindful Storyteller.